Hello and welcome back to Digital Strategy Unlocked, a show that helps CDOs, CIOs, and other business leaders take a step back and consider the broader perspective to rethink how digital can transform their business. I'm your host Deepak Sharma from Photon, and today we are talking to a very special guest of ours, consulting to BizDev to Deputy CEO to Chief Digital Officer to Managing Partner in PE firms. Words cannot do justice to the deep and broad experience of my guest this morning, Lubomira Roche. And welcome to the show, Lubomira. Would you be so kind as to provide a quick intro for our listeners before we get started? Thanks for having me, Deepak. Yeah, so my name is Lubomira. I was born in Bulgaria, which explains my name. I started my career in consulting and IT in Capgemini. Then I was lucky enough to go also to software side with Microsoft. Then I had the immense pleasure to run an agency called Valtech. And through the work we did in Valtech, we met the road, we crossed the road of L'Oréal. And I was hired to lead the digital transformation at L'Oréal for seven years, which was an amazing adventure. And most recently, I've joined G, which is a private equity firm based in, in, in London, where I've been for one year and a half now. Awesome. What a remarkable journey. I think where I would like to begin, Lobo Mirais, just given your remarkable career trajectory, is how has your view on digital changed? if at all, as you've gone through these different positions, what is same, what is different and why as you look at the world today? It's interesting. I, I discovered the, the internet at the time in 1994 or 1990, yeah, 93 or 94. So at the time, it was something huge of huge, both economical, but at the time it was a cultural magnitude. I mean, information was accessible everywhere. You could make friends in Australia you've never seen. You could have access to so many things just with a click. And this really shaped my whole youth, to be honest. And when I started my career in Capgemini, so that was 2002 or three, digital was not even an existing word. We used to talk about new technologies. In French, it was nouvelle technologie. So it was not a word. And so at the time we were very busy, you know, doing ERPs and big outsourcing deals and very classical IT projects. And then I think that the first time we started to talk about digital, it was when I was at Microsoft and it was essentially through what was at the time the mobile revolution. And so this was really opening a complete new door into the internet, especially with new business models, with the iPhone coming in, we started to see like the importance of integrating the backend systems with the frontends. The frontends were becoming more and more agile, more and more receptive, more and more real-time. PIs came in, so the whole architecture changed. And then in L'Oréal, what was really key was to create the best interfaces for our consumers. So there was, of course, D2C, e-commerce websites, it was website, it was apps, it was services. We were using augmented reality to do things like virtual makeup try-on, hair color try-on, skincare diagnostics. AI was starting to become a thing. And so I think through the whole journey, I mean, it's like if the whole digital world has been reinvented 10 times. Now there's the metaverse coming in but at the end of the day, it's always the same thing. It's how do you create value for your consumers using 
new interfaces, new ways of communicating, new ways of interacting. And this is a never-ending story. This is so fascinating, the level of innovation we have in this field. Uh, I love that. I love, you know, how you kind of capped it as some things are the same, right? It's always about creating value for customers. But then over the years, it's been an explosion in kind of or the expansion of what you can do in digital. And it's never ending. As you think about that, right, and in your new role now in the PE world, how do you think digital transformation is evolving across the portfolio of PEs? And how should they approach the digital transformation of their portfolio companies with a partner ecosystem, given where the world is going next? I would say that, number one, if you are any company, to be honest, of course, digital transformation is on your table. I mean, as, a, as an exec team. But then there are so many ways of approaching it. And to be honest, not even one definition of what digital means. So I think that when I started in L'Oréal in 2014, the way we approached it was to say, what is really important? What is digital changing in our business model? And this is why, you know, we have to really take it from the impact on the business model. And so if you are, you know, running an FMCG company, the big thing is, you know, marketing has completely transformed. I mean, the consumers used to discover your brands in the shops, in the physical shops, on TV, maybe out of doors, advertising, a little bit of word of mouth, a little bit of newspaper here and there, but that was it. And suddenly people were not discovering your brands anymore through those channels or much less but more and more through the digital platforms. So be it like YouTube, be it Instagram, now TikTok. Reviews and ratings were becoming so important. Influencer marketing was nothing in 2010. It became a big thing in 2014. So you have to understand what is it in your value chain or even in your PNL that digital is going to transform first. So when you're FMCG, digital marketing is an obvious one. Then the other obvious one is e-commerce because it was changing the way you distribute. So your whole route to market was changed with the addition of a completely new channel that you had to master because if you didn't, if you weren't there and if you didn't take the opportunity to put all your brands and your products online basically you would lose market shares because more and more people were consuming online so that was the other very obvious one the third very obvious topic was data if you were you know l'oréal at the time or any fmcg company basically you didn't have a lot of data you had access to panels you know sales data things like that but you didn't have access to the customer data and this is where the creation of the websites, the services, the apps, all of those things where we could collect data, getting smarter about people's behavior, preferences, what they like, what they didn't like, was creating a whole new way of interacting better with them, personalizing our interaction, getting better at consumer insights and all of that. So this is how we started by saying, by asking ourselves the question of, what is it important and what digital creates an opportunity around? If you are a pharmaceutical company or if you are an industrial company, what digital helps you do, especially now with you know AI and, and data at scale, is operational efficiencies, getting smarter at production, getting smarter at supply. And so you would maybe start less from a B2C angle, but more from an operational angle. If you are a bank, of course, what digital helps you do is create new channels of interaction 
new services around mobile apps and everything, but it also helps you become much smarter in terms of, again, operational efficiencies, risk management, compliance. And so depending on your industry, what matters is to carve out the spaces in quote-unquote digital that will help you create value fast and transform your companies. I think that's the first step that you have to go through. I think that was very accurate. I like, you know, how you broke it down into, you know, marketing has exploded and changed. E-commerce came in and then data becomes the underlying kind of forcing function in getting the insights to action from there. And then how you have to think about where in the value chain is digital going to kind of create value. Now, as you think about like a portfolio and the partnership that you need to maintain, both for digital and tech, it's sometimes like a tax for the PE firm. And the thinking is the partner subset needs to be small, trusted, accountable. And if I could (laughs) be a a little bit self-serving there, could you elaborate on that? And it would be great if you could talk about how your work with Photon has been kind of a reference point there, if possible. Would love that. Of course. So, so JD, maybe a quick word about what we do and where we are playing. We are playing essentially in the consumer goods and services. So we have big businesses in quick service restaurants with the likes of Pret-a-Manger or Panera or Espresso House. We have big businesses in coffee with Curry Dr. Pepper or JDE Pete's, which is the number one pure player in coffee in the world. We have also a lot of businesses around pet economy. So vet veterinary clinics and a company called NVA. We are the second operator of vet clinics in the US. And we have recently launched a big endeavor around pet insurance. So this to give you a, an idea of where we are playing, we have also a company called Coty, Bali in fashion. So lots of things around consumers, right? Consumers goods and services. And what is, again, what is super interesting is that it's a very diversified portfolio. And we have started always with this mantra of what is the number one thing that will create value for our companies in, in, in digital? So e-commerce, subscription, loyalty, CRM were obvious candidates for all our QSR businesses because at the end of the day, the fact that you have in Panera, we have 50 million loyalty members. We have millions and millions of people using our apps. We have more than 1.2 million people subscribers to our unlimited SIP club, which is average club that you can access by being a subscriber. So this is how we approach it. If you think of the vet clinics, the key thing is really to have a product information management system that equips your vets and that allow to create this close connection with the pet parents when they come to the clinic. We know who they are. We know their history. We know the history of the pet. So we can have a next best action type of, you know, service that can help them and can help, of course, our clinics to grow their businesses. So just to give you a quick round of examples. And the way we work with Photon is that Photon is our main partner in terms of everything digital transformation. So Photon is working in heavily in Pret-a-Manger, developing all the, what we call the digital products. So not only developing, but also scaling, localizing. So it's a whole factory that is being put in place there so that every amazing digital product, be it the app or the loyalty program or the subscription program or the CRM program gets scaled 
to our bread store, but also increasingly to our franchisee store. So this is really super critical. And this is in the UK, in the US, in France, in Europe, in the Middle East, in India. So, I mean, it's a massive endeavor. Follow is working a lot also on the pet insurance front, developing this, this app, working on the data, on the data architecture. We'll have a big work with Salesforce for automating our, you know, claims and insurance layer. So I think Photon is really involved in most of our companies from strategic consulting down to development, data, but also industrialization of, you know, the digital work, which is so important. This is how we work together also at L'Oréal, where Photon was our number one partner for everything that was related to website factories. And it was 35 brands, 120 countries. And basically what with Photon was to go from a process that would usually take between, you know, developing a website would typically take between two and three years. Yes, I know. Down to, let's say, six months max for a big brand like L'Oréal Paris. Moving from a cost of like three, four million down to a five, six hundred K for a master and then the localization at scale to really go through the 120 countries as soon as, as fast as we could so that, you know, the countries could operate the websites in a very customer centric way. Thank you for that detailed example and understanding. And I would be amiss if I did not mention that, you know, our whole organization and obviously our co-founders Srini and Mukund are forever grateful for the partnership and for the leading edge work that we are able to do with you and the portfolio of the company. So it is truly exciting. As you know, I personally am also involved in some of them. And it's definitely one of the things that helps me get out of bed every morning to get to work. Now, thinking about that, Lubomira, as you look at that portfolio and the partner subset work, culture is a very key and critical component of these transformations and work. And all companies may not match all clients and their culture. What guidance, how would you say we should think about or companies should think about how to reconcile and approach this? That's a fundamental question, Deepak, and I think you nailed it. I mean, culture is everything. The way you operate a digital transformation, you don't have one playbook. It completely depends of the company you operate in. But I'll give you concrete examples. If you have a very centralized, you know, type of company where everything comes from the top and is being, you know, developed in the in in a very top-down way. I mean, you could have central teams building everything, going for it. You have, you know, very clear directions coming from the top and then being implemented and everything tends to be centralized, like data, CRM, website building, apps, everything. But if you operate in a very decentralized organization like I did, for example, in L'Oréal, you have to really take a completely different approach and you really have to be smart in terms of how you master both strategic centralization because that's very important an organization cannot deliver on more than two or three or four max priorities right so the priorities are loyal were very simple it was we wanted to reach 20 percent e-commerce by 2020 we wanted to have data on 50 percent of our consumers and we want 100 percent of our brands to become digital love brands and digital first brands with a complete transformation of the marketing model from you know, campaign-based TVCs to always-on digital marketing. And so you really have to be smart in terms of centralizing strategically the decision-making and the thinking and the strategy, but being 
very doing a smart representation of your countries, regions, and brands. So this is how we really worked on this concept of website factory. The idea was that every time we were building a master website, for example, for a big brand or a smaller brand, you had not only the brand people that were involved, but we had a couple of countries that were proxy product owners, if you want, right? So the voice of the countries were there since the beginning of the project in the specification phase, in the visioning phase. And that was super important because this is how you ensure that your countries will buy and adopt the product that you will launch. And then this is how we created it. And, uh, and basically we had a whole, you know, architecture that, that was super clear in terms of like, one code base applied to all the countries, going fast with a very good MVP, and then the countries building on top of that, which ensured that there were no forks everywhere, and which ensured that at the end of the day, every new feature could be pushed to all the countries in, in one click, in a way. And so this is how we really balanced central versus local. And again, it depends completely on the culture. If you take JB, so the PE firm right now, we are operating as partners and as investors. So you have to be very careful, mindful, respectful of the company's autonomy. So you really have to work very subtly and precisely and in a very respectful manner with the companies. And the way we do is introducing, uh, for example, Photon and, uh, and let Photon take it from there. But with the trust that Photon is going to help us also standardize best practices and making sure that we operate at scale with the right mindset and with the right efficiency got it and i think the last part that you're referring trust i think is critical that is earned it has to be built across the journey as you go down a line on the cultural way to engage and build that trust as well right through the mvp type approach i think makes a lot of sense so all of those things in my mind come together and as you think about this journey it tends to be a multi-year journey many times for digital transformation based on the complexity and the depth and the breadth of things to be done. At the same time, in a PE portfolio, there's usually a timeline or calendar that the PE is marching towards as well. What guidance would you have for companies on how should they think about aligning their journey and the maturity points they're going to get with the PE calendar in mind as well? You know what, your question is relevant for PE, but is also relevant for other organizations, because at the end of the day, you need to balance, especially in a deep transformation, like a digital transformation, you have to balance your quick wins and your long-term bets. If you take the example of L'Oréal, for example, I knew that transforming the marketing of an organization that, by the way, in many ways invented marketing for beauty would take a lot of time and would take it would be culturally challenging for the teams it's not in one day that you transform traditional marketers into digital first marketers right so i knew that would take time same thing for data building a data culture building the systems building the reflex in people's mind to say like i'm going for that campaign and i need to in include in every element of that campaign from advertising to crm to my content on my website elements of call to actions that will you know, foster people incentives to share their data with us, that would take a lot of time. But I knew that I had a quick win and the quick win was e-commerce. 
And I knew that, you know, when I started, it was 2% e-commerce in 2014, and it quickly grew. Kager was something around 50 to 60% for the seven years. So it was huge. And I knew that would build the quick wins that will clearly signal the ROI of the digital transformation while allowing the teams to focus on the long-term building the capabilities, building the technology, building the MarTech, hiring people, etc., etc. So it's, and of course, it's even tr more true in terms of the PE agenda. We are lucky in JB because we are long-term investors. So we are, I mean, we are not 100% the classical PE thing, which is three to five years. We are long-term investors, but still you need to balance your quick wins. You need to balance your quick wins. If not, people will be like, uh, okay, great idea, this digital transformation, but what value does it create for me and how and when and now? And, and it's really important that you have those quick wins because this is what will allow you for really taking the time to build the foundations, which... As we know, and Deepak, I'm sure you know as well as I do, that it takes time. It's a multi-year agenda. It takes three, four, five years to really transform the company culture, to really build those capabilities. So you have to be quick on, on certain things and to show success and to show ROI quick. Absolutely, Lubomira. But I think one key thing I took away from your discussion there is focus on that kind of quick wins. Use that to kind of show the progressive ROI so that you can build the buy-in to start transforming and continue transforming the capabilities and the other things that may take a longer timeline. But identifying that first few MVP kind of driven quick wins is super critical as you go down the transformation journey. 100%. Yeah. For my next question, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, Lubomira. Uh, so, you know, we are talking today, it's the Thanksgiving week in the US, the holiday for kind of being grateful and giving thanks. So in that spirit, I'm going to pose two things for you. I'll ask both of them and then let you respond. One is, if you think back in your career trajectory, what was one of the most profound advice that someone gave you at a pivotal moment in your career trajectory and what was it? And then what advice or guidance would you have especially for other women executives that are considering a career in digital transformation. You know, anything from your school of hard knocks, given your broad and deep experience across multiple areas. Those are great questions. I would say that the number one to your first question, the two most profound and usually, you know, the most profound things seem so simple when you hear yes. them. The most profound things were listen before you give an opinion. And the number two was respect everyone from the CEO down to the receptionist. And I think this is really stood with me, number one, because it's very close to the values that I, you know, I was brought up with. And number two, because this has really served me well. I mean, listening before talking is something that I cannot recommend more to people because many people think that Credibility starts with having lots of opinions. And of course, I mean, credibility is about being opinionated. But before being opinionated, you really have to understand the context. And maybe this is where, you know, having had a, an immigrant journey myself, I was born in Bulgaria, I live in Africa, then I moved to the US and to Belgium and back to Paris and then to London. And, you know, applying this 
immigrant spirit or mindset to work has helped me a lot because when you arrive in the country, the first thing you do is you observe, you're a big pair of eyes and you observe and you try to understand the codes, how it works, what words I used instead of other words. And so this is how I approached every company I work with and listening, understanding, seeing how things were done. Because if you need to transform something, you first have to understand how it works and doing in a gentle way. Doing in a gentle way because at the end of the day, the companies you arrive in have been successful, most of them. And, you know, they have been, they have had a way of doing things that proved successful, if not they weren't there anymore. And so you really have to understand that and pay huge amount of respect to the companies or the countries that are welcoming you. And then based on that understanding, start to, to shift gears and to switch things, but based on that deep, very deep respect. And then I forgot your second question, Deepak. Second thing was, what advice or guidance would you have for other women executives that are now, you know, looking at a career in digital transformation? Um, anything from your school of hard knocks? I think it's build your expertise. Jamie Diamond, whom I had the immense honor to interview recently, so the CEO of and chairman of JP Morgan, in his latest shareholder letter, he wrote something around perfect your Picasso, ah. which means basically, I mean, perfect what you are good at. A lot of people will try to tell you like, work on your weaknesses, become a balanced. I'm like, I've never done that. I'm very conscious of my weaknesses and I have many of them. <laughs> but I think at, uh, perfect your Picasso, really get better and better at your game, at what you're good at, understand your purpose, understand what you bring to the table. And, and, and it's okay to bring a small part to the table, because if you bring that small part, for example, if you take digital transformation, if you take a big company like L'Oreal, digital transformation is a small part, but it's the place where you are credible to talk. And then once you have done that well, you can start to have more impact on the rest. So perfect your Picasso. I think that's very important. And uh, never doubt yourself. Never doubt yourself. Trust your instinct. Trust your guts. And uh, and go be the Never see the fact of so many people tell you like, you know, being a woman is hard. Of course it's hard, but let's not start from there. Let's start from the fact that, you know, we are credible. We have perfected our Picasso. We have had many results, many impacts. And let's start from there. Awesome. I love that. Like perfect your Picasso and never doubt yourself. I think that's great guidance. I think we are coming up on our time here, Lubo Vera. So Anything else on digital transformation that you would want to make sure our listeners hear before I go into some of the closing remarks for the for this episode? I would say that the world of digital transformation is so vast. It touches so many parts of the companies you are operating that focus is maybe if one word, it would be focus. Make sure that you are very clear in terms of the three, four max priorities you want to see tackled, making sure that it's communicated in a very clear and memorable way. In L'Oreal, we had this 20, 50, 100 concept. 
I think to this day, everybody knows in the company what 2050 means, 100 means. So communicate clearly, you, you focus priorities and stick to them, stick to them because every other day you will have a new acronym, you will have a new thing, and then you will have the metaverse and the Bitcoin and the DAO and the DMP. And then, as I said, Google Glass is not a strategy. I mean, it's every new innovation out there is not a strategy. You have to be very clear in terms of Digital is not just a buzzword. It's not just something cool to do. It's not, it is fundamentally changing your business model. So understand the three things that will change your trading model, that will create value for your company, for your customers and for your partners, and then stick to it in, in, in the face of all the new acronyms and all the new concepts and operate in the 90-10 framework, which is 90% of stick to your focus and of course 10% of you know keeping 10% of your energy to do innovation to understand the new things because that's important probably those new things some of them will become the things in five years but make sure that you first focus on what will create actual real value I mean what profitability increase your engagement create new business models those are very tangible things that you first need to focus on fantastic absolutely well, Lubavera, this has been truly a delightful conversation. I cannot thank you enough for your insights and a pleasure to have you on our show. I'm sure our listeners will love the great insights and the nuggets of wisdom that were imparted today. To all our listeners, I just want to remind them, feel free to subscribe to the Digital Strategy Unlocked podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you hear them. And stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, everyone have a good day. And for those in the US and celebrating, have a great Thanksgiving weekend as well, at least on the day of our recording here in the studio. And Lubomira, thank you once again. Thank you so much, Deepak and Photon, for the partnership and for having me today. And since it's Thanksgiving, let's all reflect on everything we are grateful in life for. <laughs>